It's Monday the 8th of March 2021 and this is episode 7 of the Red Zone Restricted Podcast from Big Heads Media. Liverpool season keeps getting worse. Are we running out of excuses? How much should we criticise Klopp? And how optimistic should we be as we look to next year? We'll cover all of that before we look ahead to a welcome break from Premier League action in midweek against RB Leipzig. So I'm joined, as usual, by my co-host, Dan Club, and uh, our eagle-eyed listeners will have uh, noticed that we didn't release an episode on Friday like we normally would, and that was very deliberate on our part. Uh, myself and Dan thought after Chelsea that our Friday morning episode wouldn't necessarily be something people wanted to listen to. So we thought, you know what, let's let's delay, let's release on Monday in the aftermath of, of Fulham. And um, we both agreed that that would be um, more likely to, you know, be a more upbeat, positive episode. I'm just actually reading the messages. Dan says, the Fulham reflection could and should be more positive. Um, I think that, I think that's what they call a disaster class, Dan. <laughs> Oh, I mean, I was I, I was going to bring up the message myself because, yeah, it literally is a disaster class because we were right in terms, obviously, Chelsea reflection would have been depressing, but if anything, wait until um, Monday has got, has got worse. So, yeah, absolute terrible call on my behalf. Um, and, yeah, here we are again. Here we are again. Um, our, our guest today is Adam Doyle. An accredited Premier League journalist and a writer for Vavil. And I've also got a message for, from Adam to share. Adam said when we were arranging the podcast that he might have to shower a brick wall for five to ten minutes uh, before before we start. So, Adam, how did the shouting at the brick wall go? As can expect, be expected, Dave. It was it was more competitive than our game today. I'll tell, I'll tell you that. Um, it was just I, I don't even know where to start. And like yourselves, it's it's all a bit. Game at the moment, we talk we talk about the football as we always do in group chats or whatever, and, and sort of them group chats are becoming more and more uh, less active. And uh, it, it's all just it's not a nice time to, especially with everything that's going on with COVID and everything. You know, football's a release for a lot of people, and and this football at the moment it's it's far from a release for a lot of pool fans. So it's it's absolutely dire. Oh, you're absolutely right about that, and you know, from my point of view, I've got. A couple of group chats that have plenty of uh, of non Liverpool fans in because I've got, I've just got you know so many friends, and um, <laughs> I think I've used the mute the mute function and the turn off notification function a record number of times this year. Like I might as well just delete Facebook Messenger off my phone at this point. You know, it's just a, it's just a waste of storage. I'm, I can never you know face going on to it. But we'll move on from move on from that now to our customary three word match reviews uh dan um i'll let you start on this well i've gone uh, i might have used this before to be honest with you but it does feel like we've been watching the same game for about two months now so if i have then i make no apologies my three word match review is make it stop um because every week you know we'll come on here we'll discuss it we'll discuss it with other people and you just think oh we'll be right Next game, especially at Anfield, you think, oh, we'll be okay. We've got so-and-so, you know, he's coming back into the side. We'll be all right. It's got to click back into gear, and it's just not. <laughs> like like I say, we've watched that, that game on repeat now for like two months, and not only, you know, is it a reflection of the matches we've watched and obviously what we watched today, it's also a bit of a summary of where I'm at with the season now as a whole. Um, I'm, I'm very much like obviously we've got the Champions League and we've got it this week to look forward to and you know if we go on a little run and we look a different side in that then I'll be made up and you know who knows but in general now make it stop pretty much sums up where I'm at with the entire season um, and I'm ready for you know August pre-season time when fans are back and Liverpool look like Liverpool again Well the thing is Dan you know we've we've done this is our seventh episode of this, of this podcast, and I've sort of sensed over the weeks that you know you are quite an optimistic fan. I like to think I am too, but I think you slightly more so. Um, so what we're seeing really is just that that optimism. 
just the fade week by week. And um, as you know, I, I look, I tend to try and find a soundbite from the episode to use as the title. And I think I think make it stop is going to be <laughs> is going to be a difficult one to beat, um, unless unless Adam can come up with a, a punchier three word review than that. No, well, when you first sent me that, I the first thing I thought of was Scott Parker's jacket, because I thought that was quite interesting choice of, of clothing. But in terms of the Liverpool performance, I went with sloppy, leggy, dire. Um, I, I think, well, all, there's many more ways you can use and probably a lot more expletives as well. But uh, it's just, I, I genuinely, we said this before, I genuinely can't believe how... A team can go from world champions to this, and I, I don't really buy into all the the whole, you know, the defense is is depleted, so that the rest of the team should be. I mean, it's the same midfield and attack that won a Champions League and a Premier League. So, the fact that you can't break down Fulham and the likes of, is, it's really, as I said, dire at the moment. I guess in a way, Scott Parker's, you know, fashion choices, it could be considered as a metaphor for how that game went. Um, and yeah, <laughs> yeah, I have to, uh, I have to agree uh, with your assessment there. And we will come on to a, a discussion of whether the excuses Liverpool have used are starting to break down at this stage. Um, before that, though, we'll I'll just round it, round it off with my three-word review, and I've gone with nothing remotely surprising. Uh, I was, I was pretty furious in the first half as I was watching it. You know, we made seven changes to the team. I think it was. But it felt like there just wasn't any change whatsoever. The goal, the goal that Fulham scored was coming, and when it did, particularly you know the timing, um, right on the stroke half time, I just there was no part of me that thought we were coming back into the game. And I'm even watching the second half. Realistically, I thought two 0 to Fulham was more likely than us salvaging a draw or or somehow getting a victory out of it. So yeah, furious in the first half, pretty apathetic by the end. I think the game went pretty much exactly how Scott Parker would have envisaged it, um, and they just had us covered. Um, you know, we're the easiest team to play against in in the Premier League at the moment. I think maybe the arguable exception of Sheffield United, but they might be a bit more you know dogged than we are even, and that's that's saying something. Uh, and. You know, we talked a lot and we've had a lot of discussion about the worst title defences, Liverpool being bad champions. I don't think that's really the the most relevant discussion point at this stage. I think this is, you know, on track to be Liverpool's worst ever Premier League season in terms of their finishing position because our lowest Premier League finish, I think I'm right in saying, is eight. And, you know, right now, I think we're on track for 19. There's eight teams who are going to pass at our points, Sally. So, you know the fact that we're above Sheffield United only in this year's form table is, uh, well, I'm not sure there's a word for it. And as as Adam said, you know we don't want to get that explicit content one in the episode. So we'll move on to, as I said, the discussion about whether we're starting to run out of sympathy for Liverpool at this stage. Um, we recorded an episode I think about a month ago uh, where we said that we sort of agreed that it was about 80% injuries that you could blame for Liverpool's downturn in form. Let's consider how much that's changed now. Not necessarily in terms of that new medical figure, but the question is, and I'll ask this to you first, Dan, are you starting to run out of sympathy now? Because I certainly had felt, you know, almost sorry for sorry for the players and, you know, thought, you know, how can they be expected to do much better with the injuries they have? But now I'm I'm really I'm losing that patience that I had. Yeah, I was very much in that camp. Um as you probably got you probably gathered really. Um and it has definitely changed. Like there's still part of me that thinks like I seen something earlier on on Twitter and they basically circled you know the whole spine of the team and said like take that out of a side and that side won't be the same anymore. And I still believe that's had a massive effect on what we're seeing now. But at the same time, you know if you look at some of the defeats of late, including today's, you know, the Chelsea one, you can probably say Chelsea very good side, playing decent football in the Tuchel, and you think, yeah, that can happen. But, you know, you look at Burnley, Brighton, and today, and you think, nah, like, the teams that we're putting out, even though we made so many changes, like, that should still be good enough to at least score against these sides and, and not get beat, really. So, 
The injuries, you know, I think we've used our 20th defensive partnership today, which is just ridiculous. Like, it's mind-boggling what's happened. And I know Klopp's been talking about not being able to get any rhythm, and I completely, you know, I've got sympathy with that. So in, in many ways, I still have sympathy with what's going on. But, you know, the performances have been so abject and so similar time and time again that it's really, yeah, I'm really struggling to retain the same levels of sympathy, I'd say. Um, because the form isn't there. Like, you look at players, like, there's no reason why Sadio Mane's form just fall off a cliff because Virgil van Dijk's not playing. Like, especially when it comes to simple things, like passages of play, I understand why Liverpool aren't as good because the whole styles change. But, like, when it comes to, like, you know, kicking a ball into a goal or even kicking a ball at times when it comes to Sadio Mane and others, you know, I shouldn't just single him out. Like, it's not happening. So... Whether it's a confidence thing and they're just completely void of any confidence, or whether like they're just knackered from what's gone on, and the injuries also have meant we haven't been able to rotate a lot. So the players that are having to play week in week out have played a hell of a lot of football already this season. Like Andy Robertson in particular has been man into the ground barely, um, even though weirdly enough we've actually got cover for him. Um, so I do have sympathy still, but it's definitely altered. I'd say one hundred percent. Football's a complex game, isn't it? And um, it's it's not. This isn't like a, a binary binary issue, really. Um, there's obviously an extent to which it is injuries, and an extent to which Liverpool have just have to look at themselves. Um, and you know, when you talk about patterns of play and stuff, I just think to myself, there's a risk of being accused of almost dumbing it down in a way if you just say, "Oh, you can't relate Mane's form to Van Dijk's." And it's difficult to pinpoint, you know, the extent to which it is all interconnected and the extent to which that's just a, a handy excuse for, for some of these players not performing. And, you know, it's something we could devote really a whole podcast to trying to trying to find the balance of those things. But there's a lot of takes on Twitter I see where people are sort of one end or the other of the scale now. And it is important to have balance as you did I think, in your answer, Dan. And, you know, from my point of view, we've we've been riddled with injuries pretty much all season, really, haven't we? Um, maybe excluding just those first few weeks. And let's not forget, you know, we were top of the table at Christmas. Um, we've gone from top of Christmas to a likelihood of potentially no European football, um, which is I think unheard of, really. Maybe it was never going to be sustainable. Maybe those players who stayed fit and couldn't be rotated were always going to tire. You just mentioned that, Dan. And obviously what we have now is a crisis of confidence, um, which we certainly didn't have before. And it's obviously self-perpetuating. But it's also true that the personnel that we have, um, even today with those changes, are, are good enough to win these games. And it's also true that the decision-making is so poor. And it's also true that there's no fight and no pride in the performances that Liverpool looked defeated and um, really just the total opposite of, of what they looked like last season. And as I say, we're top of Christmas, so we haven't unravelled and that started in December. We're a week into March now. We're not learning any lessons and we're, we're, there's no lines in the sand. You said at the start, Dan, surely this game is going to be the one where things change. You know, surely Liverpool will put a run together, but that's just not coming. And, you know, obviously I have sympathy for the players and obviously I'm... obviously filled with gratitude for what they gave us but it's really starting to get you know I used the word pathetic in one of my tweets and I I don't that was a sort of heat of the moment tweet but you know I don't think it, it's it's too far off that and you know that that 80% figure is I feel like it's just coming down all the time and uh, Adam I'll let you I'll let you come in on this now because um, I'm sure you're keen to to weigh in on it yeah I mean I was thinking that on the final whistle, I was just thinking, looking back at the game and just trying to not completely lose my head. But I just thought, I don't even think it was this bad on Hodgson days in that. And I, I saw Jamie Carragher say in commentary as well as that, you know, he didn't play in the best of teams. Sometimes his teams, you know, Milan Jovanovic and Christian Poulsen and the likes, they weren't the, the most gifted players, but they were able to get wins now and then. This team doesn't look like they're going to get a win tomorrow, next week or, you know, next month. It, it feels like it's absolutely... Doomsday, really, and I don't know. I genuinely still, I don't know where, where it can go because we can go. Well, the defense, it's not the same. Well, true, but the midfield and the attack is. 
Um, and it's not like we're leaking goals. It was one goal today. It was, I mean, it doesn't feel like the defence is the sole reason why Liverpool are where they are, I think. A lot has to go down, and we can say this in hindsight, but a lot has to go down to FSG and maybe the management group at the top because this team, you, you've got to improve teams. The best teams during the Shankly era, during any era of dominance of football in any sport, never, never mind football, you always improve when you're at the top. And, and Liverpool didn't do that. They brought in one or two names that weren't exactly the world beaters. And, I mean, that showed, that showed in the performance. You can, th- these players as well, when you, when you talk about improving players and improving... I mean, I think Jürgen Klopp's got the most that he can get out of this team in that. You look at it on paper where some of them came from. I mean, a few of them came from relegation teams. A few of them came from bottom half of table teams. A few of them came from average European teams. So it wasn't like the, he brought in these group of Galacticos. I mean, he's a well-coached team. But now it feels like they've sort of... They've reached where they, they can reach as a group, as a collective. And I'm not saying get rid of every single player because you you need a core you need a core side you need to call players, but there's got to be a point where Liverpool look at it in the summer, and Michael Edwards and and John Henry and everyone sit down and think, listen, we, we've got to improve here, otherwise this could become a common theme with Liverpool. I certainly take your point about you know the Hodgson days and the dark times, and you know these aren't necessarily totally comparable situations for <laughs> for a number of reasons, but. Certainly in terms of the amount of optimism you go into a game with, um, that's just through through the floor now. I can't remember any period where I felt less less hopeful before games. Um, you know, I I do like a, a predictions predictions league um for the Prem and I actually said we we get beat by Fulham today, you know, the the team that are eighteenth and you know, that's not me coming up with some, you know incredible journalistic vision or anything that's just the fact that based on facts and I don't I'm not sure I'll go into any game particularly any home game this season expecting obviously there's you know you can be slightly more optimistic for some games but in terms of actually expecting a victory um yeah I I really don't see where that sort of belief is going to come from and I think we can sort of work one one of your points into our next into our next discussion point in a way because you said FSG um, need to to be taking some some flack at the moment um, and you said that you think Klopp has has taken this team sort of as as far as it can go without you know an evolution and reinforcements and and the like um, so I'll I'll pose this question to you first how much criticism do you think Klopp should be taking at this moment in time. I think the manager needs to take some responsibility in that he's the one that's sending them out of a match day and setting them instructions. But as I said, I mean, I think you you can't you can't ignore the fact that Liverpool aren't winning games of football. And Jurgen Klopp's job is to send Liverpool out to win games of football. Whichever way you look at it, whatever um barriers we've got to overcome, we're not doing that at the moment. So Klopp. But I'll never sit in and say that Jurgen Klopp should go. I think it's got to be a lot, a lot, lot worse than it is at the moment for Jurgen Klopp for me to even consider for him to leave. I think what he's brought to this club, we this club, or you know, the 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 quote always pops up on Twitter with where the old Dortmund sporting director was saying that you know, in hindsight, I wish I got rid of the the whole team instead of of Jurgen Klopp. And I'm sure if Liverpool were to get rid of Klopp, we'd say we'd be saying the same thing, because a manager like that comes around once in a generation. But all of that being said, of course he's got to take responsibilities as the manager of Liverpool Football Club. It's just, I just feel like there's something missing. There's something messing in himself, and of course, you know, stuff happens in, with with his family, and, and naturally that's going to affect him. Whether he say it doesn't, you know, that will affect any man. Um, because it's just it's a natural thing. So a lot's happened this year. But I'm on the place that starts taking responsibility. I, I don't think they come off that pitch and feel of course they'll feel something, but I don't think they're feeling what we're feeling. I don't think they're feeling what the manager's feeling. Yeah, and obviously we've seen champions go from winning the league by, you know, a huge margin to to ending up finishing, you know, in all likelihood, probably somewhere between seventh and ninth. If this was Chelsea. You could argue that 
you know, he's right on the verge of being sacked. Well, he would have been well gone if he was at Chelsea. Yeah, there's no question about that at Liverpool, obviously. Um, and uh, and rightly so, because not only is there a requirement for you know for loyalty, um, because of, of what of what clubs achieved, but it's not just it's not just sentimental attachments, is it? You know, it's it's the fact that, as you say, he is a, a once in a generation kind of coach, and you you don't you don't get rid of a, a world class coach when you want to regenerate your team. You know, look at Man City, for example. You know, not as bad as our decline, granted, but they were reasonably average last season. And yes, Guardiola had money to spend, but he's also you know he's evolved that team. And you know it just shows that you do need to stand by your coaches. I think Liverpool will do that. But as you say, Klopp isn't immune from responsibility just because of what he has, what he has achieved. And I'm sure you're sort of chomping at the bit to, to come in on this. Dan, you know, just looking at certainly these last few games, some of the decisions that have been made. Um, would you be, you know, how critical would you be of Klopp? Yeah, it's. Um... Like more of over, like obviously there's no there's no way I'd be calling for Klopp to leave the football club um, in any capacity. Um and it's an interesting point you make about Chelsea. Um he would be gone if he was at most of the clubs, like you say. I think you know, what we touched upon in the previous topic in terms of had Liverpool had a fully fit squad and this would have happened, which which doesn't happen. There's probably a different conversation altogether. Yeah, probably a few weeks ago, if we're honest. But given everything that's gone on, not only in terms of injuries, but also in terms of like personnel with Klopp, especially, it's not even a conversation, in my opinion. But in terms of um, criticism, there has to be some because, like Adam summed it up really well, in terms of end of the day, you know, results are on his head, if you like, um, as much as they should be players, but. If you just look solely at some of the decisions of late, like I actually thought the team, although we needed changes, I thought the wholesale changes he made today almost reflected the fact he was giving up on the, the league top four a little bit and looking at the Champions League, which is bold to say the least. Like seven changes between league games is is a lot. Because basically considering the fact we haven't been winning, I know the players aren't playing well who he's dropped, but they still are our best players, a lot of them. So that was a big call. Um, I also think like substitutions, which they've never been a strong point, if we're honest, as wonderful as the man's been for this football club. Like his substitutions have always raised a few eyebrows and probably never more so than this week, really. Um, leaving Cater on the bench the night, I thought was interesting. When we're chasing the game, like I love Milner and he offers like intensity and leadership that we were lacking, but he doesn't offer that creative guile and like that pass that's going to, you know, break a team down which probably Cater does. He's one of the few, although we haven't seen it enough, he's probably one of the few midfielders that we do have that can do that. And obviously you watch the game and obviously Salah coming off was probably the biggest um, eyebrow raiser considering, you know, he's the only one who's looked like scoring realistically this year. Um, and also just to finish off, on, well, I wouldn't give him much criticism apart from probably, like I say, those sole decisions, if you like. And moreover, I'd give him a free pass, to be honest. But also... I think in terms of, you know, if FSG were looking at Klopp's position, they'd have to seriously consider how many managers would have the patience Klopp has in terms of like money to spend because 99% of other top-class managers that are knocking around would would want a serious amount of money. Like, we're never going to go for him, but like imagine Mourinho having to deal with the restraints that Klopp has. Like, Klopp, he takes it in his stride, really. You've got to imagine he'd like more money to spend at times, but he takes it in his stride. Just says, that's not how we run. This is not how we operate. We get on with it. And, you know, you're not going to find another one of them tomorrow. So that that's a big reason FSG wouldn't even consider it, in my opinion. Yeah, very valid point. And, you know, in terms of the amount of criticism he should be taken, uh, you know, certainly looking over these last two games, on Thursday it was the subs, um, you know, we've touched on that. We don't necessarily need to to go over that ground again. But you know, if you look at today, um, I saw changes we needed, and I said that they were this morning before the game. Um, and I also understand that you know certain players needed to be rested for Leipzig, and that the club has um, you know plans in place where they think you know players are particularly vulnerable to injury at a certain stage, so potentially they couldn't start this game. 
um, you know, that's a factor. I'm not going to pretend it isn't. And I see, I saw a tweet saying, uh, you know, people call for Klopp to make changes, and when he does, they complain, get behind the team. And I think that's that's missing the point, though. You know, we're not just calling for changes for changes' sake, are we? We're calling for changes that are actually gonna gonna make a difference. And and I don't think he quite got those right today. Um, Fabinho had to play, in my opinion. Um, whether that was centre back alongside Phillips, you know, I don't think Reese Williams had a disastrous game, but um, you know, you could see how vulnerable to, we were to, to Fulham's talented attack on players. Um, or maybe even better than that, playing in defensive midfield, where I think he was actually really good when he came on in terms of sustaining attacks, winning the ball back. You know, we kind of got a glimpse of, of what we'd be missing in that way. Um, if he's going to change the fullbacks for me, start Trent, who's been the best of the two recently, in my opinion, and give Simicass a game. You know, this guy, Simicass, was playing European football last season. You know, he's not he's not a mug. Like, and he, he's fit now and he has been for a number of weeks. Um and you start to think, you know, if he's not going to play this kind of game with Leipzig on the horizon, you know, why did we buy him? How poor is he in training? All those questions start to arise. And I don't think Neco Williams was terrible. You know, I think he played today to the level that he's at. And, you know, he shouldn't be. I think he will probably get quite a lot of criticism because that's just the way it goes. But um, I just, you know, I don't think he was terrible in the game. I just can't understand why he was picked. And the subs, you know, Fabinho and Trent, they came 15 minutes too late as well. You know, I think you need to give them half an hour really to, to make an impact and probably should have been a change of half time as well. So, you know, I just want to re-emphasize, and I think all three of us agree on this, that not a single one of us thinks that there's a valid discussion at this stage of, of Klopp's future um, at the club. But it's also true that he's struggling majorly to coach us out of, of this horrible rut that we're in. Um, and I've seen people as well, you know, this is a discussion for another day. I've seen people as well uh, talk about um, potentially changing the style of the team and not necessarily playing that high up the pitch, um, which I have my reservations about because an effective pressing game often relies on quite a high line to compress the playing area. But I've heard people saying, you know, things like let's play on the counter attack instead. We've got players who are ideally suited to that. Um, so whether Klopp is being sort of too set in his ways um is is you know something we can we can discuss in a, in a future episode um any final thoughts on on Klopp before we before we move on one thing we talked about with, with the you know the rotated side when i first saw that i don't know about you well, i know you, you sort of alluded that you weren't particularly pleased with with, with the, the personnel that came in but i did think something you need you needed to change something the manager needed to change something and it came to a point where, I mean, he doesn't really have many people to choose from. And he, as you said, maybe he's looking, as Dan said, maybe he's got an eye on the Champions League. But I, I think it was unrealistic to think Fabinho would play after being out for so long and coming back in on Thursday and then playing today. That wasn't going to happen. I think he, Kabak's injured, so he had to bring in Reese Williams. Phillips came in. I imagine he'll probably play on in midweek as well. Trent... He's played a lot of football while also not being particularly good. So with Trent, you probably you've got to get obviously you got to play maybe play them through the bad form. But I mean, we he's got these players on the bench that are saying, "Boss, listen, I, these lads aren't winning games of football. Maybe I, me and my mates can try and win games of football for you." And it didn't work out today. But I think it, it was one of them things where if you're going to rotate, you'd rotate against the side nearly bottom of the league because, I mean, when else are you going to rotate? When else are you going to give other players a go? I thought today, maybe in my football manager brain, that I thought that the chance should have come on in midfield at some point to bring on, you know, a, a local lad giving a no-nonsense approach. Maybe him and Curtis Jones coming on and, and driving at the, uh, the their defence. But apart from that, I, the options are limited. Mm. Options are limited. The, the defence is, the defense is what it is. And I don't think that we're, we're at a point where we can say, well, oh, this person's going to come in or that person's going to come in. At the end of the day, it's bare bones. And, and if you're going to make rotated sides, you're going to do it today. No one else. Yeah, I'd agree with that. I'd just say, such on your Tamika's point, really, Dave, like, that's a great shout. I hadn't even considered that. Like, if he's not going to play today, he, he's not really going to play, like, you know, without the domestic cups, like, as ever. So... 
you know, are we brought him? Are we brought him in just to play in in the early rounds of the cup, like next season? Obviously, this season he was injured at the time, but that's a strange one for me. And also, the same could be said for Ben Davis. Like we were told in the week, he was fully fit, ready to go. You can the questions have got to be asked. What he's doing in training now? You know, we've signed him from Preston. I think everyone thought, mm, hang on, like decent championship player, maybe can he make the step up and. We haven't seen him. Like I think he's on the bench, wasn't he? I think first game, like he arrived really. Um, and if he's not going to come in and play, Reese Williams has played ahead of him today. Like I don't mind the young lads, Reese Williams, Nico Williams. I think they're all right. And criticism of them, considering how young they are, is always harsh. But like if Reese Williams is is starting ahead of you and you've been signed in January, that's that's serious questions. Last time for me, that. Yeah, I mean the cynic in me says, increasingly says that. Um, Davis's contract was running down. Um, we got, I think it was two million or maybe even a little bit less that we paid. Um, so whether that's sort of with a view to the summer and you know just as a kind of emergency emergency option um, to use. Uh, but yeah, it's a valid point as it is about about Simicast really. So so yeah, I think um, slightly different opinions on on the Klopp the Klopp issue. But we'll move on now to sort of looking ahead to the future. So to get themselves through the crisis that we're enjoying at the moment, a lot of fans have been looking to a brighter future, um, and you know expressing their confidence that Liverpool will return to the title title race next season. Uh, to me, that seems too too easy, too straightforward an assumption. Uh, Dan, what do you think? I mean, this is something we'll obviously talk about in detail over the coming weeks and you know when we're doing episodes certainly in the off season we'll be talking about this but are you of the, the school of thought that there's going to be a total upward transformation next season yeah you're not going to believe this i am um i just think like a culmination of things that have happened that like we've already touched upon a million times this season you know once they're all not a factor anymore hopefully um you'll see us you'll see us like back to our best if you like it's not going to be easy like it's obviously not as simple as that you know there's got to be changes in the summer in in personnel um potentially some style tweaks as well i don't think we change the mold altogether like it's worked but you know if you look at what city have done in their off season if you like they've definitely changed the way they play a little bit and um, they're probably not as fun to watch anymore in many ways but their control of games has, has definitely improved so you know, it's no easy transformation, but if you look back at like what Klopp's done just for us, really, like, you know, coming through adversity wise, you know, obviously we lost all them finals in the early rain and missed out on the league. I know we were a good side by then, but, you know, in terms of coming through adversity, there's nobody you'd rather, you know, you'd rather have at the helm. And, you know, we're going to get players back, obviously, for injury. Um, Van Dyke's the major one, you know, he's, he's the one who, you know, makes everything around him tick, if you like. Like, he improves Joe Gomez, Joel Massive, no end. But, you know, th- there's no getting away from it. Like, you know, the summer is huge in terms of who we sign. Like, that's probably the biggest elephant in the room because, you know, Champions League football potentially affects the money we spend. But I didn't have massive hopes on us spending a massive amount of money anyway. So I think more importantly will be, you know, the turnover of players and who we can get out of the door will be just as important as who we can get in. Because if we can sell four, five, six of the fringe players and get decent money, which we have done in recent times, then then yeah, we can bring some good players in and go again. So I have got every faith that we'll be back in the title race. The main concern is obviously how they got beat today, is obviously how good City were and how good they've been this season in patches. And, and if they improve again, which you'd imagine they will, that is obviously a major concern. Um, and if anyone gets Harland, then that's even more worrying. But yeah, like the, the positivity of me says we will we will turn things around again and come good. And you know, this is too good a squad and he's too good a manager for that not to be the case. Well, football, you know, changes quickly, doesn't it? As we've as we've found out this season, I think it's fair to say. Uh what I'll do is I'll offer um sort of an alternative point of view on it and then we'll sort of come to you, Adam, to say, you know what your verdict is, and I guess it's kind of at the side and vote in a way, but when I see uh, these tweets um, saying, oh, forget about this season, it's rubbish, there's no fans, it's an anomaly, you know, it makes me feel a little bit uneasy, 
Um, you know, it just seems a little bit too convenient um, in a way. Uh, obviously, you know, Van Dijk and Gomez in defence, Fabinho and Henderson in midfield, you know, these are fundamental changes to the spine of the team. And as you've alluded to, Dan, you think there'll be some reinforcements as well, which are, which are much needed. Uh, but realistically, is is it enough to go from ninth to matching to match in City? And I know people are thinking, what, why has he already decided we're finishing ninth? I'm just going to go with it. Uh, but yeah, I think we've got to be careful because if we talk about the season as an anomaly and write it off in that way now, we might conceal the fact that we've got some very important lessons to learn this season. You know, last episode, we talked about Firmino, for example, prime example, prime example in a way that we have to evolve as a team now. I think we've sort of evolved beyond Roberto Firmino as our false nine within that front three. And as I, you know, mentioned before, we might need a new way of playing, particularly one that maybe isn't so reliant on, on Trenton and Robertson. You know, recently there's been an article in Athletic about how Trent um, could potentially play sort of more central and deeper and impact the game that way. Is that sort of an intriguing way to to evolve as a side? And, you know, I think that's what we will have to do. You know, if we turn up next season and try and implement that 1920 blueprint again, I'm just not sure uh, whether it'll work. Um, and what you also have to consider is the long-term psychological impact. And I guess, Dan, you've got a different point of view on this. You've said that this team's already proved that it can come back from adversity. But it's different, isn't it? You know, it's coming back from losing finals and missing out on league titles by fine margins. And then there's coming back from a, a collapse of, of pretty epic proportions. And obviously fans being back um, will, you know, help the team, you know, quite significantly in that respect. But Liverpool just looks so fragile and you worry that next season, you know, I don't think next season is going to be a 90, high 90s point title winner. Um, and you worry that when Liverpool do have games uh, where they drop points or whether they, when they suffer a, a shock defeat, how vulnerable will they be to that sort of snowball? And, and I do think there's some, there's some scars from this season, um, really, the way it's accumulated. So, so Adam, I guess there you have Dan, who's slightly more optimistic than I am. Uh, where do you sort of stand between those two arguments? Well, I think this team, we've watched them the past few years, they're more than capable of getting back to where they were. Now, naturally, as I said earlier in the episode, there needs to be so an evolution where you bring new personnel in to, to always improve. I mean, you look back to past examples in the Premier League and you always look at Manchester United, sadly, and, and Alex Ferguson and how they always, and he more specifically, always evolved with the times and always got used to, and, you know, if, if, if it was starting to get stale, he'd bring a new coach in and if it was starting to get stale, he'd bring it, you know, he'd buy the best player from his rival. And th- those little things you've got to do when you're at the top and Liverpool haven't done. Liverpool are playing the price for that now. But in terms of this this squad as it is, I do think we need reinforcements. Do we expect Liverpool to be the Liverpool of old last season? No. Why? Because I don't really want the same personnel to be there next season. So, you know, will we approach games differently? Of course, we, Liverpool have got to always evolved. This sort, of, as I said earlier in the episode, I think that this current you know crop maybe has come to the end in in what it can do. Hopefully, with all the injuries coming back, we'll have the back two as normal. Maybe you've got to look at a new centre-back to go alongside Van Dijk, as good as Joe Gomez has been. I I think with him, you can only get so many injuries, and these injuries, they're mounting up. And and, and the time frame that he's been out increases, increases, and it gets to a point where you need a more steady uh, partner that's always going to be there. And I don't think Gomez will always be there. Um, So Van Dijk doesn't really get injuries. He's got that horrible injury this season. The full-backs, I think, are more than capable of, of, of reaching that level again. A lot of their play, it's, it all really stems from the front line not really being the same in that the front, you know, the, the full-backs play them balls in behind or play them switches. And them switches are only really able to happen if the forwards stretch the, the defence so that gap's there for the full-backs. And the forwards aren't making that run anymore. Will Liverpool be the same team? I think definitely not. But can Liverpool still compete? 
absolutely. You know, we, we talked on another example of the past of Chelsea, I think, albeit di- different manager, but they 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 had that year under Mourinho where they won the league and then they finished bottom half of the table, or was it just just in the top half? And then the next year they won the league with the same personnel pretty much. So it's doable and has been done, but they need to make sure that Liverpool reach them high standards again. They need the, the leaders back in, Henderson, Van Dijk. You know, they need the best players playing at the best level. Otherwise, Manchester City, and they'll be looking to get Lionel Messi in the summer. No doubt about that. So City are only going to improve. So Liverpool have got a lot to do to make up for that. And I, I think maybe next season it might be a step too far. Yeah. Liverpool have got a lot to do in the summer, that's for sure. The future is certainly less certain than I think it's been made out to be in, in some courses. And the Chelsea example is an interesting one, I guess, because I think I'm right in saying they, they didn't end up getting European football for that first season under uh, under Conte. And, you know, that could potentially be, make a huge difference. Um, you know, part of me thinks I'd rather not have any Europe at all than have Europa League, which is obviously a, quite a controversial take in, in the financial sense, but maybe it could be, it could actually benefit us in, in a certain way. And I think, you know, Klopp will, it'll be, it's a defining decision really for Klopp, whether he says this team was decimated by injuries. I still believe in this team and this system and I'm going to stick with it and keep and keep the faith that the return of players and fans will rejuvenate it. Or whether he says, you know what, I need to be a bit ruthless with a few of these players and I need to think about how I can how we can move to the next level as a as a side. But the constraints of time mean we have to move on now to discuss the Leipzig game. I think we're still very much in the Fulham recovery phase. Um so we probably haven't necessarily all turned our attention to this yet, but as usual, we'll do our preferred lineups. Um Dan, how, how how do you want to see uh, Klopp line up for this one? Bearing in mind, as you say, that he did make some changes today. Yeah, um, I think the, today's changes like leave us with not much option in terms of going as strongly as possibly can. Uh, I've got that as Allison in goal, obviously, and Trent coming back in at right back. Um, really difficult defensively, I think, in terms of the centre half. But like, I really enjoyed. Fabinho back in centre midfield today. I thought we were dominating the game by that time. So, you know, it was almost easy for him in a way because he was camped in their half. But him winning the ball back high up the field made us look so much more, you know, I don't want to use dynamic because that's so kind, but I did. So, centre halves, I've gone with Phillips and Kabak if he's available again, obviously. Um, Robertson. And then I've gone Fabinho, Genie, and Thiago in midfield, um, and I've gone with Salah, Jota and Mane as a front three, because, I mean, Firmino was out today with an injury, as we know, so who knows if he'll be back, but I don't really want to see him go straight back in. I think, you know, Jota was far from brilliant today, but he showed enough, and I thought he was quite good against Chelsea when he came on, so, yeah, like, more in line with the team I'd like to have seen today, to be honest. Um, in terms of a few changes from what we have been seeing. Um, but, you know, we obviously made wholesale changes today, um, which means, you know, we need to go pretty strong, obviously, because like we've put, alluded to already, you know, it's Champions League or bust really now in terms of in terms of Champions League football next season anyway. Adam, what have you got? What's your 11? I, I'm with Dan in that I think that Fabinho in midfield to most in, in, the, in my thinking, I've got Thiago in there and that, Thiago isn't a defensive-minded place, really. So you need that that sort of that shield in Fabinho that'll free up the space for Thiago in the midfield. So just going from the back, we've got Allison in goal, Trent, Kabak, Phillips, Robbo, and then Fabinho in the holding midfield with Thiago and Curtis Jones as the two just in front, and then Salah, Jota, and Mane. I've not put Wijnaldum in there for a very good reason and that I don't think he's been very good this season. I've not bought into that Wijnaldum's been Mr. Consistent. I don't want to say I'm glad to see the back of him because I'm I'm not. He's a really good football player, but, you know, if, if you ask me, am I glad to see the back of Wijnaldum at this season? I am. 
But if you talk about the, the last few years, and absolutely not, he's been one of the best signers that we've made in the Klopp era. But this year, he's fallen short massively. I think, you know, him, you can't, there's a one thing that you can't do, really, and we've seen it from the from the games in the past, is that you can't play him and Thiago together because they're just standing on, on each other's toes too much. They're too similar in what they will, in the bit, not, not in the style of footballer that they are, but in the positions that they want to take up. You know, not too defensive, but also wanting to be on the front foot. So Thiago will be, in my ideal line of plays, in the three with Curtis Jones. I think Curtis Jones is he's in there on merit. If one player that has played particularly well during this horrible form that we've had at him, he's been the, the you know the shining light in what's been a very dull uh, past well twenty twenty one for Liverpool. But in in terms of the Leipzig game, I think Liverpool are more than capable of getting that go over the line there. They've got a really good lead. They, they've got the two away goals bizarrely in the same stadium. Don't don't even bring that up. Yeah, that, that, that lineup definitely. I really, really do not want to see Fabinho in defence because I, I'm so I feel like you you semi accepting defeat at that point because you you're missing him massively, massively in that midfield. In terms of my lineup, um, yeah, I've gone I've gone differently to you too. Uh, I've got Allison in goal, obviously Trent um, back in Kabak, assuming he's first. Klopp seems to say that it was a minor injury, so fingers crossed on that one. Um, I've gone with Fabinho in defence, and you know I did I did praise him in midfield today. The reason I've gone for it is, and um, it's not I'm not you know dead set with this, but um, Fabinho is has played at a pretty much world class level at centre back this season, and we're talking about a very very good team here. And if you remember the first leg, Henderson, you know he's a fairly mobile player. But he was getting done by runs in behind. And um, maybe that's to do with defensive instincts as well. But I just worry about Nat Phillips's ability to to deal with that. Um, so, yeah, I'd be having the extra security of Fabinho there. Um, and I have gone with Wijnaldum and Thiago in midfield. I take the point about them not necessarily functioning that well together. But I think they both played well in the first leg. Another player who played well in the first leg was Jones. Um and I feel slightly harsh if it's through with him, especially because he got the rest today. But I've gone with Keita because I um, I thought he played well. I thought he was one of the, the positives from this game. And I've gone with the same the same front three as as you both have at the end of that. Um, mm-hmm. So in terms of my um, predictions or impressions going into the game, we've heard Adam say, Adam thinks that Liverpool will be able to, to get over the line. Uh, you know, we're in a very good position here with um, those two neutral ground goals <laughs> in the first leg. Um, but it's very precarious and it is going to be a matter of, of being ruthless, I think, like we were in that first leg. Um, the worry that I have here is that, and it was a realisation I had against Chelsea, watching us up against Tuchel, who's, you know, obviously a very good coach and has a lot of, you know, very good players at his disposal. I looked at that game and I thought this idea I have in the back of my mind about us potentially salvaging the season by pulling off this miraculous Champions League when I've got to be got to be honest, you know, that's not going to come to fruition when we come up against a properly properly good side. You know, Leipzig are, Leipzig are obviously a good team, but I'm talking about you know Bayern Munich, Man City, even you know PSG. I think we're just not going to have enough. I you know I think I'd be naive to say that we would. So my worry in this sort of pessimistic mood at the moment is that even beating Leipzig might just postpone the pain. You know, maybe if we get uh, Porto and maybe if they can hold on against Juve, we get them in the last days um, or, a, or another favourable draw then, you know, and we get to semi-finals and things might have changed. Who knows? But, you know, I don't have any expectation of us being able to truly compete for that trophy. Uh, prediction, you know, I really, I can't see myself predicting any more wins this season. Um, I'll go with a defeat on the night and Liverpool, so one goal loss, but Liverpool go through, go through an aggregate. Um, so Dan, coming to, obviously to the end of the episode now, we'll just have your sort of pre-match thoughts, pre-match prediction, and then we'll, we'll finish up. 
Yeah, um, that sounds like a terrifying night when we get beat 1-0. I'm not into that. Um, I, yeah, I, I echo your thoughts in terms of it's hard to see us going on and win the thing, you know, considering how poorly we're playing. But, you know, on our day, you know, things would have to seriously click into gear, but you never know. Um, but yeah, I, I think I think we score against Leipzig on Wednesday, and I think that's enough considering the two two goals we've got um, in inverted commas away. Um, yeah, I think we'll score. So because their defence was properly rocky, I thought you know, Upa Meccano, like that wasn't a fantastic performance by any stretch. So listen, we've got to be a lot better than we have been. There's absolutely no doubt about it. But I think we score, and I think that's enough. Um, so I'm going to go for one-one. My prediction. Um, and I will say, get Fabinho back in midfield. Like, I take all your points on board in terms of he's probably the better centre half that we've got, if we're honest. But he can offer the protection from midfield like nobody else as well. Like, we won't have as many central defensive problems if he's in midfield, in my opinion. Um, but yeah, one-one on the night. I think that's the first time you not predicted a, a victory. I think I'm right in saying that. But on a technical, yeah, it is still it's an aggregate victory. So you know the optimism, the optimism survives, I guess, from Dan. Um, that's pretty much all for for this episode. Before we go though, we'll give Adam the usual opportunity to plug any work that he's got coming up that he like people to read. And Adam, I'll put your um, Twitter Twitter username in the episode description if people want to follow you on there. So anything to plug? Just just the Babel stuff at the moment. Obviously, if you know if you follow if you follow Adam on Twitter, then I'm sure obviously all the links, all the links will be there, and you can find some of the articles on there. So that's all we've got time for. We'll be back, obviously, two episodes this week after our tactical delay backfired on Friday. So we'll be back uh, at the end of this week to discuss Leipzig and preview Liverpool's last game before the sweet release of an international break against Wolves. So we'll see you then. This podcast is part of the Big Heads Media Podcast Network. Go to bigheadsmedia.com for more great podcasts.